Hello, friends. It's September 24th, and as you may know, if you have been listening daily or reading the one-year Bible portions, we are in the process of reading some magnificent portions of the Old and New Testaments, some mountaintop revelations from the book of Isaiah and from the book of Ephesians. This is the One Year Bible Tour, and I'm David McAdam, happy to serve as your reader and tour guide. We have a lot to cover in today's podcast, so let's get started by reading from the Old Testament first, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 14, and we will read through to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 43, beginning with verse 14. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I send to Babylon, and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, in the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise." Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not brought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case, that you may be proved right. Your first father sinned, and your mediators transgressed against me. Therefore I will profane the princes of the sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reviling. Chapter 44 Israel, the Lord's Chosen But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob, and another will write on his hand, The Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. 
Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know, that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble, let them stand forth. They shall be terrified, they shall be put to shame together. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars, or he chooses a cypress tree, or an oak, and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also he warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my God. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, Half of it I burned in the fire, I also baked bread on its coals, I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud, and your sins like mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of liars and makes fools of diviners, who turns wise men back and makes their knowledge foolish, who confirms the word of his servant and fulfills the counsel of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, She shall be inhabited, and of the cities of Judah, They shall be built, and I will raise up their ruins. Who says to the deep, Be dry, I will dry up your rivers. Who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose. Saying of Jerusalem, She shall be built, and of the temple, Your foundation shall be laid. Chapter 45 Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, 
whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, that gates may not be closed. I will go before you, and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze, and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness, and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob, and Israel my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know, from the rising of the sun and from the west, that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or, Your work has no handles? Woe to him who says to a father, What are you begetting? Or to a woman, With what are you in labor? And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament passage from the book of Isaiah. And now, as is our custom, we will take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. The prophet prefaces his declarations with, This is what the Lord says at least thirteen times in the scroll of Isaiah. When we read the Bible, we need to keep this in mind. This is what the Lord says. This is not a private interpretation of Isaiah. God was speaking through the prophet in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. In this section, further evidence is given to the divine inspiration of Scripture. Isaiah accurately predicts the future. He foretells the chastisement that will involve the conquest of Judah by the Babylonians, the years of the Babylonian exile, and the subsequent restoration of Jerusalem under the legal auspices of the Persian king Cyrus. Isaiah predicts the name and activities of the Persian king Cyrus almost 150 years before he comes to power. Isaiah prophesied from about 740 to 681 B.C. Cyrus ruled from 559 to 530 B.C. Some historians believe that Cyrus was so moved by reading this prophecy that it factored into his decision to permit the Jews to return from Babylon to restore Jerusalem. Isaiah also predicted that Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians more than 100 years before it happened in 586 B.C. He predicted that the temple would be rebuilt about 200 years before it happened. Isaiah predicted that the merchant ships in which the Babylonians took great pride would be used in their vain attempt to flee from their Persian captors on the Euphrates and Tigris rivers and in the Persian Gulf in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 14. Jeremiah also predicted this, O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasures, your end has come, the measure of your end. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 13. When the Lord says, I am doing a new thing, he is referring to deposing the old order and bringing in a new one. It has political, social, cultural, and spiritual applications. 
we see how this thought is used when Christ returns and there is a deposing of the rebellious order of the first creation, the world system under Satan, and fallen humanity under the headship of Adam. There is a new government with a new order of things. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. The book of Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5. The Lord declares that He is God and there is no other. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. The prophet uses various names for the covenant people of God. Jacob emphasizes the residing influence of the cheater. Israel is the name given that points to the promise, a nature that is ruled by God. Yet you have not called on me, O Jacob, but you have become weary of me, O Israel. Isaiah 43, verse 22. The reluctance of Jacob or Israel to be ruled by God has not gone unnoticed by him. In verses 14 through 24, the Lord proclaims that the Babylonian captivity is a necessary chastisement for their rejection of their Creator, Redeemer, and Savior. It is for their sake, in Isaiah 43, verse 14. It will cure them of their pagan idolatries. Punishment is their due, but for the Lord's own namesake, as a promise-keeping God, He will pardon their iniquities and remember them no more. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 43, verse 25. The Lord demonstrates the logic of justice and entreats His people to give their defense. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue our case together. State your cause, that you may be proved right. Isaiah 43, verse 26. The Lord reminds them of their past, all the way back to Adam's sin. All descendants have followed suit, born spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins. God called out the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be the people of His covenant, yet they rebelled against Him. Your first forefather sinned, and your spokesmen have transgressed against me. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 26 and 27. Therefore, they are rightly under His wrath and due for the punishment that is to come. He will judge them and their idols. So I will pollute the princes of the sanctuary, and I will consign Jacob to the ban and Israel to revilement. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 28. Yet God in His mercy will offer them a plea to repent and return to Him. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. I have wiped out your transgression like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Isaiah chapter 44, verses 21 and 22. Chapter 44 contains some prophecies that have been partially fulfilled and some that remain for the future. 
The Lord has a hope for Israel. He is the Messiah. There is a remaining promise that God will pour out His Spirit upon Israel in the future when they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Isaiah 44, verse 3. This promise was not fully fulfilled at Pentecost and has not been fully fulfilled unto this day. Peter was explaining the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a foreshadowing of the full promise to come. Isaiah was writing of the wider fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. It will come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. As we have seen in our study of the Bible, God fulfills His promises accurately to the letter. His more immediate and local fulfillments give us the assurance that the future and global fulfillments are to come. The Lord challenges His people to stop and think, Is there any God like Him? He is the first and the last. There is no other God. All people are made by Him and accountable to Him. Who can foretell the future like Him? He pulls the veil back to expose the foolishness of His people's idol worship. He will cure them of this in the Babylonian captivity, and as a nation they will not return to worshiping the pagan idols of their neighbors when they rebuild the temple, at least to the same degree. We are living in an age of revived paganism and foolish idolatries. Isaiah speaks of God's verdict on the idols of the self-manufactured religions of our day. God is calling us to stop, think, repent, and turn to Him in verse 22 of chapter 44. He will overthrow the learning of the wise, expose the false prophets, and make fools of the diviners. In Isaiah 44, verse 25. In chapter 45, we read more of King Cyrus of Persia. Although he is not a believer who acknowledges the Holy One of Israel as the one and only God, the first and the last, he is nevertheless God's anointed instrument. God set Cyrus apart for his use appointing him and anointing him to bring judgment on the Babylonians and issue a decree for the Jewish remnant to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, thus launching the post-exilic period of Israel's history. For the sake of Jacob my servant and Israel my chosen one, I have called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor, though you have not known me. Isaiah 45 verse 4 it is even more marvelous when you consider that this prophecy is written 150 years before the event. He calls Cyrus by name, and the fact that God will use him as his instrument of deliverance. Yet Cyrus does not acknowledge him as the only true God. In chapter 45, verse 5. In verse 7, God proclaims his sovereignty over all. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. And Isaiah 45, verse 7. Our reading concludes with a warning to those who quarrel with God. The image of the clay arguing with the potter found in verse 9 is used again by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump 
one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. The Mystery of the Gospel Revealed. Chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The Apostle Paul was under house arrest when he wrote the Ephesians. The religious leaders were threatened by the gospel message that Paul preached concerning Jesus Christ. They pressed the Roman authorities at Caesarea to arrest Paul and bring him to trial in Acts chapter 24 and chapter 25 verses 11 through 12. When he is taken to Rome, he is under house imprisonment where he continues to write and receive guests and preach the gospel. Paul reminds the Ephesians and us that his firm belief in his preaching the divinity, the lordship, and the gospel truths of Christ have cost him much personally. He was a prisoner for Jesus Christ on their behalf and our behalf in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. He reminds them that he has been entrusted as a steward of the mystery of Christ, the truths that were concealed in the Old Testament and now are revealed by the Spirit to the writers of the New Testament. One spectacular truth that has been made plain is that Jews and Gentiles share equal status as heirs of all that is promised in Christ Jesus. They are members of one body of which Christ is the head. Chapter 3, verse 6. 
Paul has been given special insight that the other apostles attest as being valid. He has been given understanding of the special role and place of the church and its role in this church age. Paul is humbled by this privilege. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Do you appreciate the special role that the church has today to make known to both the seen world and the unseen realm of spiritual realities the wisdom of the finished work of Christ? The church is the body of Christ, making the invisible Christ visible, the love of Christ credible, the care of Christ tangible, the message of Christ intelligible, and the presence of Christ accessible. Verse 14 starts another magnificent prayer. We should study the prayers of Paul and let them inform our own prayer life. He prays that the church would have their spiritual faculties strengthened in their innermost beings and that they would be receptive to the truth of God's Word and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. He prays that Christ would be manifestly dwelling in their hearts, that their Christian profession would not be empty or lacking fullness in any way. May it not be the case of the lights are on but nobody's home when people are looking for the reality of Christ in the lives of those who profess to know Him. And above all, he prays that they would all know the ever-outdistancing dimensions of God's love in all ways, that they would be rooted and grounded in it, knowing God's love towards themselves. He prays that they would know the width of it, wide enough to embrace every shape and size of penitent sinner, the height he brings us to reign with him as members of his corporate body, his eternal companion, his bride, the length, it is everlasting, and the depth. As Corey Ten Boom said, there is no pit so deep where God's love is not deeper still. Paul gives praise to God who is willing and able to do exceedingly beyond what we can ask or think. He recognizes that God's glory now resides in the church and he is willing to invest himself in it because it is the only institution now on earth that will exist in eternity future. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 68, verses 1 through 18. God shall scatter his enemies. A Psalm of David, a song, Psalm 68. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exult before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, lift up a song to Him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exult before Him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. 
the kings of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall on Zalmon. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode, yes, where the Lord will dwell forever? The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Let's take a few moments and reflect upon this psalm. The psalmist calls out to the Lord as his banner and his deliverer. He recognizes him as the only one whom he trusts to vanquish the enemy. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, and let those who hate him flee before him. Psalm 68, verse 1. This has sometimes been referred to as the psalm of battles. It is sung by those who are being tried by fire. It celebrates God marching on with his people against their foes and his foes. It is not a psalm that glorifies war. It glorifies the God who gives us victory. Notice the compassion of our warrior king. A father of the fatherless and a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. Verse 11 reminds us of the role of women in fulfilling the Great Commission. The Lord gives the command. The women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host. We are reminded that the Lord has also given us angelic support in our battles. The chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them as at Sinai in holiness. Psalm 68, verse 17. The Lord gives the gifts of men to equip every member of the body of Christ to fulfill their ministry. Paul refers to Psalm 68, verse 18, when he speaks about God giving the apostles and prophets of the New Testament, the evangelists and the pastor teachers after the ascension of Christ, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. You have ascended on high. You have led captive your captives. You have received gifts among men, even among the rebellious also, that the Lord God may dwell there. Psalm 68, verse 18. Now let's go to our final stop on our Bible reading tour, the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence, and their lips talk of trouble. We must be discerning of the character qualities of those with whom we spend our time. How do we do this? Observe their behavior, their goals, their plans, and listen to their speech. If they plot violence or trouble, be sure not to be complicit. Let's pray. You are our Heavenly Father. We hallow your name, for you alone are God. We praise you for your vast wisdom and the ever-surpassing dimensions of your love. Arise, O Lord, and fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to manifest your love. Forgive us for regarding any other person, place, thing, or desired goal as more deserving of our devotion. We choose to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, turning from all idols. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue our Bible reading tour. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. You can also subscribe there to a free daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading. We encourage you to develop a Bible reading discipline and hope that this podcast helps you to that end. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And may you be aware of the grace of God that's upon you this day. Shalom.